We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make low-maintenance bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we had nobody coming into the showroom. So we started doing virtual visits via Microsoft Teams. We're able to see two or threefold the amount of customers we used to be able to see. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. I really think it's going to set a standard for retail moving forward. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside James Anderson. You can find James out on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. Uh, eighth episode now of the, of the Prospect Podcast. Scheduling note, though, starting next week, we will be moving this podcast to Thursdays uh, just with the you know Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, a little bit of a scheduling c- conflict, so we're going to uh, be moving that. Be sure to keep an eye out for that. Uh, James, we've been rolling strong for two months now, but still without an intro intro song. Uh, <laughs> you got a great great call for what it should be just just last week. What was it? Uh, yeah, I wanted it to be Above the Clouds by, by Gangstar featuring uh, Inspector Deck just because, I mean, it's very very fitting track to, to kind of open this podcast up. Uh, great great kind of intro into that that song um, jfk quotes. yeah the jfk uh you know landing on the moon quotes and the uh you know sweet uh premiere beat there but um haven't been able to secure uh the rights to the the free rights to uh to any, any of the any of the tracks we've been thinking about i've, I've actually emailed uh the uh, managers for 
Cameron and Ghostface Killer and, and some other uh, luminaries in the in the rap game and having to I heard back from Cameron's manager and he said he couldn't do it for free uh but I haven't heard I'd, I've been completely blown off by some of the other guys so uh yeah, yeah we're, we're still still going strong without a without a music track to end yeah. the show I appreciate you not only sending those but CC yeah those. good to see I mean appreciate the effort I, I need to get I really need an intro song for this uh we do and I feel like above the clouds, Rebel INS. Yeah. Uh, we had our stake league auction last night, and you said you, well, you wanted to be Rebel INS, but on on Triumph. Yeah, I wanted to. That's how I wanted to treat the draft room. Um, yeah. But you know, yeah, I think it went pretty well last night. I wasn't wasn't quite uh, INS on Triumph. Uh, <laughs> might have been uh, might have been Capadonna on Wu Banga or something like that. Uh, still but, but still, still a respectable, a solid, a solid seven or an eight. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, if you if you're listening and have uh, some free music for us to to use that you think would fit in, uh, feel free to hit us up on Twitter with that. Yeah, I mean, I would I would love to. You can even get submissions. You can send them to us on Twitter or at uh, Fantasy Baseball Podcast at Gmail dot com if you have any questions, uh, anything like that. Hopefully, we will get a Prospect Pod uh, Gmail account set up pretty soon. But you know, speaking of Rebel INS Inspected Deck, I mean. We we both ranked our our top Woo members recently, and <laughs> not, Inspector Deck did not rank especially high, but he said That's some tough. Gr- I mean, yeah. it's tough though. What are you yeah, gonna do? It's exactly true. There's so many great members. Yeah. Exactly, and I think that in large part had to do with you know uncontrolled substance. I think that was his <laughs> his debut solo album. Not terrible, but also you know it's more so him on features and guest spots rather than the, the true solo material. Yeah, the. I mean, the bar to to clear to be ranked as like a top four or five member of Wu Tang oh, is so, so high. But I mean, he's he's a great member. I mean, it wouldn't be it wouldn't yeah. be Wu Tang without uh, Inspector Deck. No, I agree with you. I I told you beforehand that I had to go Supreme clientele from start to finish in the stake league auction. Definitely was not up to par. That's Maybe not, no nobody's <laughs> ever done that in any auction. That's true. That was a, that was setting the very high the bar high, to clear. Yeah too high of expectations <laughs> for myself but at the same time i was prioritizing this league because this league not only do you have an 80 dollar entry 16 teams uh, but the bottom half it's split you know seven seven eaters two self buyers and seven buyers as far as a steak dinner after the the league is over at the end of the season uh, and i've been an, an eater for or a buyer i'm sorry for two years in a row and so i uh, really had to uh, prioritize this league and, and avoid that extra expense at the end of the year. So basically, uh, you know, seven people in the league are going to end up investing close to 300 bucks yep. into the league. And that's that was the boat that you and I found ourselves in last year. And you know, wasn't wasn't that enjoyable? wasn't wasn't a wasn't a great deal <laughs> of fun uh, paying that uh, whatever it was, 180 bucks was I think the our share of the the dinner bill there. So you know, hopefully this year will be eating on everyone else's dime. I wouldn't mind cashing as well, but you know, as long as I can just finish in that top seven, that'll be that'll be fine by me. Yeah, and really stick it to those people who were ordering <laughs> crab legs and whatnot last year. Uh but you know, we won't go too in depth as far as the results of the steak steak auction, but did you get any prospects that you're kind of excited about in that league? Uh I think the only well, I got two guys. Um two hit two guys on the hitting side. Uh, Micah Johnson's going to be my my starting middle infielder. I got him for a buck at the end. Uh, 
I, I think I'm projected to win steals in that league and, you know, he might end up being kind of excess in that, in that regard, might end up trading a guy like him or, or maybe someone like Ellsbury, you know, mid season, if, if I'm looking pretty good in that category. Uh, and then I got Blake Swihart on my bench, uh, kind of weak at second catcher. Yosemil Pinto's in there right now. He might even start the year in the minors. So, uh, might be kind of punting that second catcher spot for the first few weeks of the season, but I got Evan Gaddis holding down the one spot, so that's still solid production from that position. And with everything that's going on with Christian Vasquez, uh, looking like Swihart's timetable might be pushed up a little. Wouldn't be surprised if we saw him in June. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a real possibility. A guy who's kind of in the same boat, I'm, I'm thinking of first half call-up that I got was Jose Peraza. Mm-hmm. Um you know, looked overmatched. I think he was one for 18 in spring action before getting reassigned. Uh, but I still think he could really make a big impact. Could still even steal, you know, 20 to 30 bases this year, if he, even if he spends two months in the minors. Uh, I did get Jace Peterson, who I know you're not much of a fan of, to hold the fort in the meantime until Peraza comes up. I mean, he's been playing pretty well this spring as well, and hopefully give me some, some cheap steals. Uh, in a middle infield spot in the meantime, but also got Daniel Norris, who I like. Uh, not not a ton of prospects really going off the board, though, uh, in that format. Uh, but I want to address some big prospect news that, that came down, uh, I think it was yesterday. Uh, wasn't in the office, but didn't get a chance to talk to you. But, you know, big reassignments uh, and, and an option in Javier Baez's case. Him and Chris Bryant sent to the minors. You know, I know, you know, pretty standard to think that Chris Bryant's going to be up, you know, in, in a matter of weeks. But how how long do you think Baez uh, takes to really shake this, you know, shake these issues and return to the majors? I'm actually kind of mad at myself for not predicting this because it actually should have been fairly easy to see coming, especially considering the in-house options they have at second base already. I mean, it's not a I mean, it's already it's a position right now, even where it's a little bit of a logjam with Tommy Listella and Arismendi Alcantara, mm-hmm. and once you know Listella can no longer play third base every now and then, once Chris Bryant comes up, then you'll really have those two guys kind of duking it out. Obviously, one of them could struggle and make it easy for the other one to see semi-regular at bats there, but uh, they didn't really need Baez, and he was kind of more. He was hurting the team more than he was helping it, really, with his stick uh, last year. And, and in spring training, he was he was pretty dreadful. So uh, should have probably seen this one coming. And it's kind of one of those sort of motivational tactics that a team can use with a player like that who's just not disciplined enough at the plate. And you can kind of say to him, hey, you know, we don't really need you mm-hmm. at the big league level until you're ready to sort of have an approach that we deem acceptable. I mean, there's no – denying his power I mean I, I think they, they're pretty high on him defensively too at second mm-hmm. base Joe Madden likes him a lot there he likes his instincts but uh, can't be striking out close to 40 percent of the time and and I think they'll be fine without him I think I like Listella quite a bit as a, a high average uh, player that's not really going to hurt you and mm-hmm. obviously Alcantara has maybe not quite the upside bias has but probably closer to actualizing it yeah, I'm with you. Lestella, big thing, you know, the great contact skills. I think that's something that, you know, you plug him into a lineup at the back end of the order, and, uh, yeah, like you said, not not going to hurt you. Baez, 20 strikeouts and 52 spring bats. <laughs> and I don't think he hit for any power either, did he? He had one homer, but that was his only extra base hit. Yeah. Uh, four steals, and, yeah, you're right, Madden did say, you know, that 
when they, when they broke the news to him that they told him, you know, I haven't really seen a player who's as advanced as you in the field or, you know, with the instincts on the base pass, but really got to learn to, to be more disciplined. And this, you know, it goes to show you that, you know, he he's really not major league ready because the Cubs, you know, lately have really been kind of trying to stick to this idea of just promoting a player once and not really, you know, fluctuating them up and down. But, uh, you know, the story is in the stats, well, and, and they know that he's just not quite there. I think what it was last year with Baez, I think I've said this before, is that they he wasn't failing in the minors, mm-hmm. even though his approach was terrible, because, you know, he was striking out 30% of the time, but I think he had, like, you know, 20-some homers in, like, half a season at AAA. Uh, that's not going to make a guy change his approach when he's not facing adversity. So they wanted to bring him up mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, let him sort of face the music and realize that, hey, this isn't going to work against big league quality arms. So I think that they, they pushed him up as sort of a developmental ta- tactic that you don't see that often. But, you know, he's still, what is he, 21, 22? 22, 22. I think he's tw- 22. 22. So, yeah. I mean, he's younger than Chris Bryant by mm-hmm. almost a year and a half. So it's not like he should be figuring it out at this point. I mean, he's still very young, still possibly a bright future ahead. Yeah, no, I think that's that's actually a smart idea for the, for the Cubs to do. Just because, I mean, Baez has a ton of swag to begin with. Yeah. You don't want the guy getting, <laughs> you know, you bump him up and let him see the holes in his, his approach for himself. You yeah. know, the yeah. results are, aren't there. You take away the results and you're really forced to change uh, on the fly. Uh, I mentioned La Stella. But Arismendi Alcantara is another guy who I'm pretty interested in. I mean, he's struggled last year after coming up, but your know, AAA numbers are really impressive, and uh, I think at least an NL only could be pretty helpful. If, just because I know Madden said that you know, he likes his versatility, he's going to try to get him at bats where he can. I just really wish that one of those guys wasn't there because mm-hmm. that way I could invest fully in the guy that was there because I like Listella, I like Alcantara, but in – in shallower weekly leagues, it's going to be really tough to, I think, extract the right amount of value from those guys for them to be useful. But like you said, like in a deeper league, in a daily league where you can, you know, start if, if the guy's in the lineup, you put him in. If he's not, you start somebody else. Then they're they're still pretty useful there. But uh, I'd like to see someone kind of take that job and run with it. You know, I think yeah. both guys are talented enough to do that. Uh, we might not see bias. You know, it's going to be kind of up to him. He's going to have to show improvements. If he's not showing them, we might not see him till sometime midsummer. And mm-hmm. what happens if Alcantara is playing really well and you know hitting say two seventy or something like that with yeah. power and speed and and solid defense at second? Then it makes it kind of difficult. Like, what do you do with Bias at that point? Maybe you use this first half of the season to kind of showcase a guy like Alcantara for a potential trade. Uh, maybe. Maybe you trade him to a team like the Phillies or something like that uh, mid-season if if he's playing really well and and Baez appears to be ready. Yeah, that's that's a really good call. But you know, I think owners do need to realize that a you know a summer you know midsummer uh, return for Baez may you know is realistic. I wouldn't think you know he's really in the same boat as Brian at all as far as a possible return date. I think he really needs to work on quite a few things now. Baez, I think, only went for a couple bucks. In our stake league auction, uh, even with this news early in the earlier in the day, but but Bryant went for I think twenty six or twenty seven. He went uh, he went for quite a bit. He went. I was in on him. I nominated him pretty early. Uh, I think I pushed it up 
to 28 and then Kevin O'Brien went 29 on me I'm pretty oh, sure wow, and that's and that's when I I bowed out I kind of my plan my my plan going into the auction was actually sort of centered around Bryant um mm. the the three guys I wanted to spend the most money on were uh well the four guys were were Bryant Betts um Ian Desmond and Christian Yelich but um I ended up just completely deviating from that plan right away and buying Jose Abreu so uh, that that kind of that's where my Bryant cash went and then at that point I couldn't afford to get all those guys so kind of had to switch things up there but Bryant to me was a guy that you could pay you know third or fourth round money for and get first or second round production and that's mm. kind of how I view bets as well so that's why I was willing to sort of build my team around those guys but obviously didn't end up going that way I still think he could earn 29 yeah he could uh, honestly you know if he if he hits I could, I could see him hitting 35 homers and hitting 260 or something like that in the middle of that lineup so I mean yeah. could could pay off for for KOB there I was definitely willing to go 28 but not not 29 yeah I, if he swipes 10 bags too I mean yeah. I could put him in elite class I was looking at it on a recent blog, and I mean, only Trout. You know, I was looking at some projected numbers from various projection systems, and if he hits the upside, I mean, it's it's through the roof for sure. I, I think, you know, DVR was saying that he was creeping up and was taken in the second round of his beat DVR NFBC draft hmm. recently. Uh, maybe a little bit too high, but I also can can see it. I mean, if you you're willing to wait those two weeks, and you still think Bryant can can return that kind of value. Um, then all the power to you. The time, like, this is just another example of why it's so awesome to draft. If you're doing an NFBC league, to draft in late February or early March because, yeah. you know, you could have gotten guys like Matt Harvey and Chris Bryant at extreme discounts relative to what they're going for right now. Yeah, so much buzz and hype around those guys, and rightfully so. But I'm with you as far as my plan out the window after, <laughs> you know, 10 people being put up for nomination. Ended up with. Uh, first player I purchased was you know, Matt Kemp at 22. Didn't really want him, but I was kind of price enforcing, and you know that's fine. It's a fine price. Then uh, end up with Edwin Encarnacion at 32. I like that price a lot. Yeah, I, I couldn't afford like after buying a Brayu, yeah. there was just no point in me getting another super pricey first baseman. But uh, I was glad that you bump that up because it was about yeah. to get sold for 31 yeah. was that going to go to dvr i think it was jake jake yeah, yeah. I, I was like gosh if, if ee goes for 31 bucks i'm gonna be really yeah. pissed and that was, was really the only reason i i wanted to bump him up because i was like i don't want him to go for 31 hell no but yeah i was happy with overall how the t my auction went i mean i i probably spent too much early you know budget management in the middle portion of the auction wasn't great but then you know some pretty good one dollar guys going i think did Billy Butler go for a buck? I think he yeah, might have. Yeah, That's he did. insane. Yeah. Um yeah, if you basically just hit saved like I, I saved a little bit and was able to get some guys for a buck, uh, mm -hmm. two bucks. Um but yeah, I mean that that's the every year with this this stupid league, like we know <laughs> yeah. what's gonna happen and then we just all spend our money. Like yeah. everyone just starts buying all these expensive guys and then at the end of the draft, like if you were to just save all like you, I, I think it was tout this or no it was labor this year where chrysalis uh basically didn't buy anyone until halfway through the auction because he didn't like the prices if you were that patient in stake league you would have the best team by far oh, if you just easily. didn't don't spend any money 
the first half of the auction and then just buy everybody. Like, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I couldn't help myself. I know. I saw it. Guys were going up, going, and I was like, like no. I was like, no, I, I can't let them go for that. <laughs> but And that's frustrating, but at the same time, I mean. I, we're projected to yeah, be eaters, yeah, though, so projected. that's nice. It's, take, it for what, take it for what it's worth. I mean, I am happy to be in that position, even though I really only came out of that with one closer in Henry Mejia, and who knows how long he's going to be the closer. Also got Andrew Miller. I mean, I think, you know. You're going to get some saves out of that. Yeah, but Tansis, I mean, I'm kind of worried with his velocity right now. Uh, any concerns on your end with him? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, you gotta be yeah. concerned. Um, I haven't ended up with him anywhere this year. I was well. able to move him in SKL two in the off season, uh, and get, get a ton of value for him. Um, yeah, just, it's not, he's been going so high mm-hmm. that he's kind of in that, that range where like, I'd rather just buy Chapman or buy Kimbrell and then now with this concern coming out he only went for I think like 14 bucks or something like that last night Mm -hmm. but that's still kind of more than I was willing I think I got Cody Allen for 14 and I I feel a lot safer about him yeah I mean Patances was great even in a long roll last year still returned a ton of value but you know you drop you know three four miles per hour on that velocity I think it was right around there uh that's pretty dangerous and yeah, well, they, they still haven't named a closer. It's obviously. almost. It's not even that I'm that worried about the performance mm-hmm. with a with a decline like that because I think we've seen guys like uh, like Kenley Jansen's velocity go up and down and mm-hmm. and you know I think it happened with with Madison Bumgarner a few years ago and obviously King Felix keeps losing miles per hour and he's fine but I'm more worried that it might signify an injury which That's would be true. the, the yeah. worst case scenario. That's a good point. Keep an eye out on that. Uh, we'll shift gears here, move on, talk about the Rotowire Roundtable. Uh, top 200 prospect rankings recently went up on the site last week. Uh, myself, you, James, and Derek Van Riper each submitted our individual top 200s uh, for this uh, for this project. First time ever. I mean, we've done this for the major leagues, a uh, top 350. But I think this is really helpful. Again, you know, eliminating bias, getting to get a more master uh, complete list of rankings. I mean, all due respect to your rankings, I think they're excellent. Uh, but I think this, you know... You, I, I mean, this is better. Yeah. I mean, it's not... I don't think anyone is good enough to yeah. have a better set of rankings than if you take three people that are all well-informed. Like, exactly. I mean, if you... It's just... I mean, it's really hard to have... Yeah, like you said, all the biases. Like, we all have, like, extreme biases, oh, yeah. especially with especially with prospects because it's so hypothetical you know i mean it's not you can't point to like this and and say well you know jose bray is better than prince fielder because look at this like you it's all kind of hypothetical abstract so you're going to have extreme biases so it's really good to kind of balance those as much as possible yeah that's what makes it so fun i mean i mean i saw uh aaron judge in in arizona and just fell in love with the guy but uh so you want to balance that out it actually turns out that we were all right around the same you know, rank for him. I had 31, uh, Derek 33, you 32. But as far as just any right. sort of any sort of little bias, you see a guy, he has a, an outstanding game. Uh, y- you know, y- your your mind can deceive you sometimes. That's the best. That the best is when we're all like really really close, like on Judge or on uh, you know Braden Shipley, we were really close. Lindor, we were all exactly at 16. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good when you're when you're that close on a guy because it does kind of reaffirm. Yes, this is kind of right around where he should be. Um, yeah. Obviously, some guys we were 
more spread out on and those are probably the more interesting guys to talk about for sure yeah i mean bryant number one was was a no-brainer uh some fluctuation in the top you know 15 to 20 but not a ton uh i, I was pretty high on tyler glass now this was dvr uh, you were a little bit lower on him you know i think you discussed him in your uh in lower down in the article you know you weren't really you know blown away by his numbers at high a just considering you know his frame and the heater uh are you concerned that as he moves up you know the, the hitters are going to be able to catch up with that fastball i just think that he well <clears throat> like people i don't know i i think where where you and derek have him ranked he basically has to be come a number two starter in a couple of years um to justify that and and i know that that's definitely possible and like i'd I'd probably bet on him you know actualizing his talents but there's just still so much uh development that needs to be done with his command with his uh change up i mean if you're like i said if you're you know that tall throw that hard and have a breaking ball that you can use at all that you can command at all then you're going to be able to make hitters in the lower levels look pretty silly. And so that's, I mean, his numbers are crazy. The the fielding independent numbers aren't the same as his ERA. I mean, that's, it's not a, you know, true under two ERA or whatever it was. Um, I, I mentioned a guy like Robert Stevenson, who I think has similar stuff to glass now. Um, he's a little shorter. He's, I think he's six two. Uh, but if he had been down in the lower levels last year, I feel like he could have done basically the same thing. And then we'd be talking about Stevenson, how we're talking about Glass now. But instead, he was against more advanced hitters, struggled a little bit because he, like Glass now, has a uh, you know some control issues. So mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to see Glass now this year um, kind of cut down on the walks, make some advances with his changeup, and then in that case, then you know midseason, if he's killing it again against uh, better competition, then I, I don't mind moving him into my top twenty. But just as of right now. Um, too too far away, too uh, uncertain. I guess that he's going to fully reach his potential. No, I think that's all very fair, and maybe I should temper my expectations a bit. I do think it's interesting though that DVR and I were both higher on him, even though he did look bad when we saw him in the Arizona Fall League. But I think big thing was that he was not. We we commented on it mid game that he wasn't throwing his breaking pitch at all uh, during those games, and I think. You know, it's possible that the the Pirates really told him, you know, sent him down there with instructions not to throw it and just to, you know, focus primarily on locating the fastball. Opening day is almost here, and while we prep for season-long leagues this month, DraftKings.com has hundreds of contests running every day throughout March for the NBA, NHL, college hoops, PGA, and soccer. Sign up today at DraftKings.com. Use the promo code DVR to get a free contest entry today with a first-time deposit. Another guy whose rank I think is pretty interesting uh, just because we had him, James, you and I both right around 75. You had him 75. I had him 74. DVR all the way up at 36. That's Raul Mondesi, Raul Alberto Mondesi. I mean, young kid, long ways away. I, I know a lot of scouts drool on, on the tools and really, you know, project him to be a, a major league success in time. Struggled last year, but, you know, you have to kind of write that off to a certain extent just given – you know, the the level of competition he was going up against uh, as far as age goes. But what what makes you think that, you know, that there might be uh, a 
bit of a flaw in, in the projection, at least as far as you know him being able to to become a major league option in time. Do you think that you know it's just too too soon to you know even with the tools to to really say that he's going to be a, an elite option? I just think that <clears throat> you're going to see him ranked really high uh, in non fantasy contexts mm-hmm. because of the defense, uh, which is you know some of the best of the position in the minors. I mean, it's not quite on like a guy like Francisco Lindor's level, but, you know, probably a better defender at short than Addison Russell, probably a better defender at short than even a guy like Carlos Correa. So he's going to get bumped up for that. But I just don't know that we've seen enough from him in terms of getting to that power. Um, I mean, the frame kind of worries me a little just because I don't know how much power he'll be able to hit for Mm -hmm. in the major leagues. So if he ends up just being – a guy that hits 280 and steals, you know, 30 bags a year and plays really good defense, that's fine. I mean, that's Elvis Andrews. That's really usable. But if he's not hitting for power, then I have a hard time sort of anchoring a, a farm system, a fantasy league farm system around him. Yeah, I mean, he did have eight homers last year at High Wilmington, you know, 14 doubles, 13 triples. Decent for a kid who was, you know, on average almost five years younger than the competition uh, but hard to really, I mean, even at, you know, 19 and, and, and the fact that, you know, he's still so young, uh, he's six one. I, I just don't really see a ton of growth potential there for the power. And, you know, the stolen bases, he had 17 and uh, 21 attempts last year. I'm with you as far as, you know, the real life value outweighing the fantasy utility. I think that's uh, a real possibility. I would say that, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we're sitting here uh, say in like July or August and talking about him as a top 20 fantasy prospect. I mean, he's got a ton of upside. He's really young, like you said, but um, he's still kind of in that, you know, far enough away where there's, you know, enough risk to kind of hold him out of my top 50. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I've personally, I know I was talking with DVR and we kind of had differing philosophies on these rankings just because I was focusing more, you know, he wanted this to be more of, of like a dynasty league thing, and that's how he skewed his rankings. I, I put a lot more emphasis on proximity, personally, just because that's how I play those type of leagues. Right. You know, and I, I respect his opinion, definitely, but I I put proximity, you know, weighted that heavily. And so Mondesi, given that he's, you know, hasn't progressed past the high level, had to keep him down at a relatively low level. But I still think, you know, 75 is still a pretty lofty spot for him. I think that my <clears throat> my rankings have really sort of evolved throughout the off season to focus more on proximity, um, just because it's sort of you'll you'll get into scenarios in these dynasty leagues where, like for instance, I I kept uh, Steven Souza at like three bucks or whatever in our in our staff keeper league two, and. I have to ask myself, honestly, like in that league, which prospects would I trade him straight up for, you Mm -hmm. know? And if the answer is no, I wouldn't trade him, then how can I have him ranked below those guys? Even if, yeah, like there's, there's guys that have way more potential than him, maybe down the road, uh, you know, maybe a guy like Jesse Winker, Aaron Judge, or, uh, you know, Tim Anderson or someone like that might have more upside down the road, but would I trade Souza for them today? Uh, probably not, just because of I want to win the league this year. Souza is going to be starting 
uh, every day, at least to mm-hmm. start the year, unless he really struggles like he has in spring, then he'll be that guy all year long, and he can help me win the league this year. So I wouldn't trade him for some guys that are further away, so therefore I can't really have him ranked ahead of those guys. Oh, I understand or I can't that. have him ranked behind those guys. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally see the case, and I, I like that you're – you know, battle testing those like your own rankings. Like you know, Jeff Erickson had a good blog post about that. Uh, you know, when it boils down to it, you know, you really have to decide: would I take this guy? And you have to look at it by each rank. And that's why this took me so long is because I was fidgeting, bumping guys up and down, up until the very last minute when when I had to submit these to you. But um, you know, I think Sousa's rank is definitely one of the more intriguing here, just because it's all over the board. You had him twenty three. I had a right kind of in the middle at 48, DVR all the way down at 90. Uh, I think that's, you know, pretty telling. But he has struggled this, this spring. I mean, that's definitely, uh, you know, I I respect the way Derek went about it. I mean, he's mm. going for upside that he thinks is likely to be, you know, reached by the time that player gets to the minor, uh, to the major leagues, yeah. um, you know, a lot of emphasis on pedigree and and that kind of thing um i i used to kind of do the same thing i used to focus you know all on sort of upside all on guys who could one day maybe be top 50 picks in a fantasy league uh but then when you kind of yeah i mean it's just it's hard for me to hold something against a guy when he's this close to contributing Mm -hmm. that's why I, i ranked a guy like anthony descalfani i mean i don't view him as more than a number four starter really but he's starting the year in a major league rotation you know i mean that's got value if you're in a if you're in a league where 100 prospects are being owned or 200 prospects are being owned then you're probably in a a league that's deep enough where Descalfani has plenty of value right now i mean he looked great in his start against the rangers last week struck out nine i think in six innings uh but yeah that's that's the fine line you got to walk between proximity and upside because with a guy like Souza, you know, I like him. I just don't know that long-term the upside's there. But the fact that he is, you know, so close and will be playing, you know, expectedly every day, uh, you know, I had to keep him at least in my top 50. But, uh, yeah, I agree that, you know, you really have to, to balance those out and, and really got to give weight to both if you if you want to do those rankings right. Uh, but Souza this spring, at least coming into to Tuesday, 5 for 41, uh, with with 14 strikeouts, it does have two homers, though. You know, I think this this organization is really high on him. I've even heard you know, some reporters say that they you know, like him more than Will Myers, even. So I think, you know, they're going to give him plenty of time to iron things out, and I, I still think um, I still think he'll be a, a very useful fantasy option this year. A guy who I was really happy to not be the highest on was the Asmani <laughs> Tomas. I was the highest on him in the the major league roundtable. Yeah. Somehow not as high. As DVR in the prospect roundtable, I guess that you know long-term upside proximity again has to all be taken into account. You know, still just 24. I, I had him. I still like him enough to have him in the top 35. But serious concerns. You had him down at 44. Uh, any any specific reasons why? Uh, he was probably the toughest guy to rank mm-hmm. because we just don't know that much about him, except that he can't play third base and. No, He's basically, if if everything uh, works the way that it's supposed to with him, he's basically Mark Trumbo, and he's going to be a guy stuck in a corner 
that doesn't play great defense and has to let his back carry him, and they already have Mark Trumbo, so what do you kind of do with him at that point? So I, I think that he – there's a very real chance that he spends – more time in the minors than in the majors this year and if that's the case and you got to kind of ding him on the proximity level and then we don't like I said we don't have a couple seasons of minor league numbers to look at so it's kind of hard to project what he's actually going to be uh, so I kind of I thought I was sort of hedging putting him at 44 um, mm -hmm. maybe should have had him in the top 40 but like I said I wouldn't trade him for guys that I had ahead of him so that's yeah. what that's where he ended up yeah or I wouldn't trade guys I had ahead of him for him I, that's what's so tough with him. Yeah, I agree that he was probably one of the hardest ranks. I bumped him up and down quite a bit before I finally settled uh, on 35. Really good power, and I think in a couple of years he could really develop into something special. But right now, I just don't see it. And you know, they've even, you know, the team has acknowledged that he could start the year in the minors, and they've you know acknowledged a, a lack of focus in the field, which is kind of disturbing. Uh, and I think we've just talked about it that this team could could be the team that, that misses on one of these big big signings and I think that Tomas I mean just for right now I, I th do, you, do you remember how much he went for last night because for right now I'm kind of hands off in the redraft it was I don't know how much he went for because as soon as he got nominated I went to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have no idea what he went for yeah he's one that <laughs> I definitely have battle tested my ranking for him in, in single season leagues and uh Really need to bump him down for my next update. I mean, that's the thing. I, I still think there's there's upside there, but you have to be willing to wait for a while because I think it's going to take him a bit in the minors. And it also, you know, he's hit a couple of home runs and he's shown good opposite field power, but it seems like he's behind on a lot of fastballs. And, um, yeah, when he got put up, uh, you know, after it passed like four or five bucks, I was out. And, you know, I think overall, I'm, I think I only have one draft left this draft season. It is an NL only. Uh, maybe get, a, get him if the price is right, but hard to really imagine a scenario where there won't be options that I like ahead of him uh, still on the board so or off the board. So I think that, you know, I'm probably out on, on Tomas this year. I had him uh, – I did a, a piece a couple, oh, couple weeks ago talking about players I expected to own the most on each team, and he was the one I expected – uh, to own the most on the Diamondbacks, no shares though in nine leagues, uh, so really kind of missed the boat on that one. But who would, again, who would your guy be on the Diamondbacks now? You know, maybe, maybe Aaron Hill. Even yeah. though I, I don't actually own him in any league. I, I ended up with him in uh, stake league last nice. night. So yeah, yeah, I, I put him up for auction. And I was mad <coughs> that you bid him up. Uh, maybe Chris Owings, but also the shoulder concerns kind of worry me. Sounds like he definitely, may not definitely be Definitely nobody in that rotation. No. no <laughs> or in that bullpen, actually. Actually, the sad thing <laughs> is that I think I think I only own one Diamondback anywhere, and it's Josh Coleman. Oh, no. Yeah, that's terrible. Is that like a 20-teamer? It's an NL only. <laughs> NL only. He's like my fourth starter, which is sad enough. Um, one guy here that I'm surprised it didn't get bumped up a little higher from all of us. I mean, I, I had my reasons, you know, but I was still the high man. But Tyler Kolick, you guys both had him outside of your top 100. Had him just inside my top 100. Do you, do you kind of see that uh, or feel that the the upside may not be there for, for some of the arms who were, were taking him, taking alongside him in that draft last year? Well, I, you know, I think the only, yeah, I had some, I had some arms ahead of him that, that went behind him in the draft, like mm -hmm. uh, Grant Holmes and uh, Brandon Finnegan, um, I think uh, that might be it, but yeah, I 
his you know he's got the stuff or just the the upside i guess to be a legit number one with that that heater mm-hmm. but yeah jeff hoffman ahead of him too right? yeah, yeah 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 um I'm just looking at ETAs though on <laughs> on Kolic, and it's like if he's not gonna be up until 2020, like is that like, really? What I mean, that's that's that's, that's not. I mean, that's not crazy. I mean, 2019 might even be, you know, a fair. If you want to be kind of on the optimistic side, I think 2019 is is maybe the the target. And if that's the case, it's like how valuable is he? If if you're just stashing him for four or five years, like is your league going to be around in four <laughs> or five years? Like yeah, you got to ask no yourself guarantee. stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I just don't. I think he's so far away that I I had to push him down. Yeah, I see that and. I remember I was doing a, a dynasty mock somewhat recently. It was kind of a couple of weeks ago, but people were shocked at how far Kolick went. And I still thought it was kind of too high, but I guess it just goes to show you, show you maybe a difference between you know people reading prospect ranks that, that don't take fantasy as much into account. Now, a guy who's right next to him uh, in the roundtable composite ranks, uh, if you want to see them and don't have a rotowire, subscription get 10 days for free on us by going to rotowire.com slash pod rotowire.com slash pod uh, right right near each other in the in the round table at, at 104 and 106 uh, respectively but you did not have the second guy ranked at all uh, dvr both and i both had him uh i had him 107 dvr 104 <laughs> steven moya yeah um why why not even making the top 200 <laughs> I just don't think he's gonna play every day ever for a full season. So I I think he's I respect gonna be kind of you know just a best case. My best case scenario for him is that he like splits DH du- duties with someone uh, maybe next year and or, or two years from now or three years from now with with the ti- If he stays with the Tigers, it's gonna be tough because because of, of Victor Martinez being locked up long term, but. Um, I just think the batting average might be in the kind of 180 to 200 range ish. And, you know, maybe, maybe you make a case that he could be Chris Carter sort of, I mean, he's got maybe not quite that much power, but I don't know. I just, I really get scared by guys like this that, that need to, that where power is really the only even average tool mm-hmm. where when all the other tools are below average and it's just the power then i, I get kind of kind of worried about their ability to have a, a full-time job yeah a lot of swing and miss in his game and uh, i could i could see the concerns for sure you know wasn't willing to pump him up into my top 100 but still think you know the raw tools are there for him to carve out a, a decent career plus the you know the team context really nothing substantial in that system I think in time he'll be up, but I, I certainly see your case. Uh, I think he will be playing regularly eventually, but hard to really know exactly. Of course, they have, you know, Cabrera, Vmart locked up long term, and one of those guys is going to have to DH. So uh, I, I see that if he, if he you know can't really play any other position besides first or you know uh, or DH, c- could be a uh, an issue. Could block him a bit. Uh, th- that'll do it for the actual prospect uh, portion of the show. Thank you for listening to the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. But before we, we sign off, we are going to grade out uh, another <laughs> uh, former, actually still still going, uh, WWE superstar. In honor of his win 
uh, this Sunday at WrestleMania. Do you want to talk about that? Like, I haven't seen it, so... Yeah, um, I mean, we don't have to talk about that. I just, in in honor of his uh, match against Bray Wyatt, uh, returning for his, I think his 23rd WrestleMania. Pretty amazing. Can you maybe just talk about the... Or have we even said who it is yet? No, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> the Undertaker. <laughs> Taker, yeah, I... I could you talk about, you know, the vibe and what his entrance was like in, in WrestleMania, at least? You know, I was kind of disappointed, though. I mean, it was cool. It was kind of understated on, like, previous WrestleManias. But because it was out west, mm-hmm. and so it started at, like, 4. The show started at 4 p.m. Oh, it wasn't dark? Yeah, it wasn't dark. Yeah, that's... It was weird. That's not the... I mean, that's I mean that's not... Un, I mean, that's fairly common for some WrestleManias. Yeah. Um, but WrestleMania 9, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean for the outdoor ones, that's that's tough. But um, not an I. You definitely want the you definitely want Taker to be in a in a very dark environment. Yeah, you do. I, it, coming uh, coming from the depths of hell, from the mouth of hell, <laughs> the mouth of hell, <laughs> hellfire and brimstone personified. That's his brother, uh, Kane. But now Taker still going. Actually, he he looked really good. I thought uh, this year, last year when he faced Brock Lesnar. Uh, well, he got hurt, and you know I think a large part was that you know he just wasn't as uh, prepared for the match. D- didn't look in great shape this year. He looked in really good shape, so that was nice to see. Uh, Bray Wyatt him put on a pretty entertaining match. It was you know the dead man versus the new face of fear. That was kind of the story. Uh, young Buck, I think actually they said, or maybe I saw on Twitter that Bray Wyatt was like three years old when Taker made his his Mania debut. <laughs> so. You know, kind of a passing of the torch situation, even though the torch wasn't really passed. But uh, we're going to grade out The Undertaker on our uh, you know scouting scale here. Of the five tools that we have established for a pro wrestler. If you haven't heard it before, five tools are look, entrance, signature move, command of the crowd, and ring presence. Uh, you can check out past episodes for our grades on Mr. Perfect, The Ultimate Warrior, and The Natural Disasters, uh, Typhoon, and Earthquake. Shout out to Dewey Singleton on Twitter. Uh, recommended we you know, try out and grade out the Killer Bees. Uh, appreciate the the recommendation there, Dewey, and, and we may very well get to them in future weeks. But uh, decided to stick with a more more well known. We uh, also we also wanted to do a guy that we could grade out uh, quickly without without <laughs> any without any deliberation yeah. really because we were kind of under the under, under the, the gun. gun here. So. That's very true. Um, so. Let's, uh, without further ado, what you got for the look for Taker? Uh, very, probably the toughest grade I've given out uh, to any of the wrestlers that we've that we've uh, looked at because his look is ever evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think if you, I, I think my favorite of his looks was when he had the the long hair and the, you know, the the sort of Zorro hat or not not Zorro hat what's a what's a good word for that hat um, um I know what you're talking yeah, about I like, mean he still kind of wears that but uh I think I know what you what you mean I kind of like the, the late 90s maybe? yeah yeah like yeah when yeah late 90s taker is probably my favorite look I'll give that a 70 um yeah you know not a not a good not, not a good looking man <laughs> um so so a lot of <laughs> I think I think the the less you see his face, the mm. the better in general with oh, with like Taker. 
um, and more, and it kind of adds to the to the sort of intrigue. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, I mean, the just the the look in general, the the kind of uh, villain villainous look that he that he rocks is 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 very strong. I, get, I give it a seventy. No, I like that, and I, it is good to differentiate because he had. You know, even though he's been the dead man, you know, for most of his career, he did have that kind of awkward stage where he was, you know, the American badass, and he came to the ring with like a Limp Biscuit song playing. That was I, I choose to forget that. Era. <laughs> uh, Bad yeah, idea. Yeah, and Taker has had some, you know, some strange looks. Uh, I think when he first debuted, that was maybe my favorite. But I also liked the uh, when he was running the Ministry of Darkness. He had a you know, he always wore a big long robe, and he was kind of in his physical prime at that time. So, you know, ba- overall, I'm going to give him a 65. That is kind of knocking off some points for the for that strange era uh, when he when he did kind of differentiate from the dead man gimmick. But I did not do that. I did not bump off points uh, for that era in entrance. I have him as a <laughs> solid 80, uh, even though during that time, again, Limb Biscuit song and came to the ring on a motorcycle. Yeah. Um you know, it's it's. I think it's fairest to just take the best look. Look for the best in someone, and so I mean, if we're just grading, you know, you can go online and find you know like the ten best Undertaker entrances, and they're all solid eighties. Mm. Um, you know, the announce so the, the announcers kind of play a role in his entrance. Uh, the, the you know the fire and theatrics and oh, the the lightning and everything. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's pretty pretty impressive uh hard very unique too yeah. you know a very unique entrance gives you boot goosebumps sure. i mean really just you know sends a, a chill down your spine when you're seeing it. i remember i think it was last year when he fought brock lesnar at wrestlemania they had him coming out and there were like kind of people like reaching at him kind of like souls reaching <laughs> yeah, up from, yeah yeah from the mouth of hell i remember um, what, yeah one time he like was walking through uh people holding you know flames yep. you know mm-hmm. um very, you know, very epic. The stuff out of a movie. The basically. druids, I think they're called. <laughs> I'm an I'm a wrestling nerd, so I, I can uh, admit to that. Now, signature move here. Um, I'm kind of surprised. I couldn't push it up to uh, 80, but I got it at 75. You were a little bit lower. Any specific reason here? Um, uh, I love it. I I think it's very fitting. Like I wouldn't want him to have another move. So mm-hmm. maybe that makes it. Maybe that should be higher if if it's the perfect move for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just not as devastating a move to me as some other ones that I would put a seventy or a seventy-five on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in general, it's not gonna. I don't think it's gonna. You know end anybody um i mean it has but like if if we're just talking re- realistically it's not mm-hmm. as as devastating a move as as some other ones you know maybe it's maybe that's because you know just we've seen it for 25 years I, I still think the tombstone is one of the better finishers you know there was a while you know again during the uh, the different attitude era phase where he was using a, a power bomb as his finisher wasn't a big fan of that, uh, but if you count if you count the tombstone and the choke slam and some of his other more maybe not finishing move but some of his other you know patented type of type of uh, maneuvers, uh, still got to take it really high at seventy five. Now command of the crowd, <laughs> this is one that I remember just grading these out quickly. I was like, yeah, oh, this is tough. Then I was like, no, it's not tough. Uh, Eighty for me. 
Uh, are you on the same side of that? Yeah, yeah. I also went 80. Um, I mean, wh- how could you even argue otherwise, really? Yeah. I mean, what? Who's who's the crowd looking at? Who's the crowd reacting to? You know, I mean, it's always Taker when he's in the, when he's in the ring or, or yeah. even coming up to the ring. Yeah, exactly. And not a huge, you know, talker. Never was a big talker. Always had but Paul that, Bear on his the, side. The nice thing though is you don't have to downgrade him for not being a talker because yeah. that plays right into his character. Exactly. Very good point. And he did have Paul Bear, who made it so you know so creepy and added yeah. so much to that character. <laughs> I uh, loved him him in, together with Undertaker. Uh, but yeah, the, the fact that Taker can sit up in the middle of that's, a match and the crowd just goes insane. That's, that's the true test of how well you're commanding the crowd when you can just <laughs> get up off the mat slowly and the crowd <laughs> is just losing their minds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Taker, I guess, he really... I mean, maybe I'd put Jake the Snake uh, as an 80 command of the crowd, but I think Taker really uh, sets the bar for that that tool have we given anybody else what's the highest grade we've given uh you know what? Crowd? oh no oh we gave we gave mr oh no that, uh, that was r- okay. ring presence 80 no, no we nobody even nobody close really haven't given out any other 80s there so no. first that's, that's a first and we both both agree now ring presence i mean imposing guy love his love the ring presence but i couldn't push him any higher than 70 yeah i went 65 um it's, I mean, can't really complain about a guy that's got nothing, nothing lower than a 65 for me, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, not, not someone, um, who have we given an 80 for ring presence to, uh, well, perfect. Um, yeah, I gave him one of those, uh, yeah, I mean, warrior was a 70 for me. Yeah, no, th- yeah. I mean the, yeah, I, I think, I think 65, 70 is perfect for, for, uh, takers ring presence i think what really pushes it up there i mean he's a tall guy and athletic too really good in the ring uh one thing that really uh made me give him this highest score though is you know when he'd come up to the ring and, and the lights would be off and he'd just stand at the ring post and then like raise his hands up and the lights would come on <laughs> that uh that helped me uh, with his grade love the love the guy and i love that he's still going hope that this past sunday was not his last wrestlemania uh, I mean, it's has anyone gone? I mean, has anyone gone this long with? Uh, no. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. I mean, it's a it's really what's a good athletic comp? Ooh, um, hey, not man. a big hockey guy, but maybe Yarmir Yager. Ooh, still I like still that. still playing. I like that. I, I don't have one, but I may have to. Too. You know what we should do moving forward is as we have these, <laughs> then we have athletic comps. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think we should add that to that. In the future. But yeah, again, next week we'll, we'll be moving the Prospect Podcast to Thursdays. Thank you for listening. For James Anderson on Twitter at RealJR Anderson, I'm Clay Link at Clay W. Link. We'll see you next week. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.